it be his will, not just a statement on our lips, but a consistent attitude of our hearts and lives. You know, some people use it like a rabbi, if it be God's will. And then they know certain things are clearly God's will, and they don't do it. So, you know, it's not, it's not just a phrase. Sometimes we have religious jargon. If it be, well, you know, come on, you're going to show up or not? Oh, if it be, if it be nothing. You, you're going to wake up, you're going to set your alarm clock, if it be. You know what I mean? And some things we know to be God's will, we don't do it. If it be God's will. It's not just a slogan. It's not just some kind of religious cliche. It's an attitude of our heart and life that we give our lives to the will of God. And now let's start here by looking at the attitude of Jesus. You know, as a Christian, Jesus is the pattern son. He's our example. He's our model. In fact, the Bible says that it's into his image the Father's trying to conform us and transform us and make us like Jesus. So if we're going to study something, the will of God, let's look at Jesus. What was Jesus' attitude? Again, he's our model. He's the one we're striving to become like. So we ask ourselves, what was Jesus' attitude towards the will of God? Our attitude, you're, let's start out with the attitude. If our attitude towards God's will is of greatest importance. It starts with an attitude and a desire. Because God in his sovereignty allows us to have a free will so I can do what I want to do. You're here tonight, you could have been home watching Jeopardy. You could have said, well, you know, my precious me might melt. You know what I mean? It's a little rainy out, and, you know, I can't do it. So you're here, but you wanted to be here. But you have a will that says, oh, you know, I can go. But as a Christian, we want to submit our will to his will. Amen? He's not forcing me. He might encourage me. His spirit might deal with me. But ultimately, he doesn't force me. Because he's given me a free will. So I'm going to take my free will and do the best thing I can with it and give it back to God. And I say, Lord, I'm going to lay my will before your will. And so again, our attitude, it starts out with our attitude. Jesus, our example. Let's look at his attitude. Go to John 4, 32 through 34. John 4, and we're talking about the will of God. What was Jesus' attitude towards the will of God? Amen? He's the one we're going at. I want to be like Jesus. Amen? We, sometimes we get away from the simplicity. Remember Sunday school? We ought to get back to first grade Sunday school. I remember I used to love going to those teachers' conferences. Um, not because my kids were pretty good, but I, I used to like going because they had all these posters on the wall in the beginning of school, and I used to write down these, these cool sayings, you know. And there was a poster, everything I needed to learn in life, I learned in kindergarten. And I said, isn't that the truth? Everything I needed for my Christian walk, I learned in Sunday school. I mean, I'm talking this little. I, I learned God loves all the people. you bread and yellow, black and white, precious in his sight. Amen. I learned that God is big. He can open up red seas, and he can be with you in fiery furnace. I remember the little pictures they showed us as kids. Amen. I remember that Bible is God's word. Isn't it true? And that we can believe the Bible. It's, oh, man, oh, you just learned it. If you go to Sunday school, by the time you're in third grade, you know everything you can to live victoriously. It's not a complicated thing, is it? No, no. But here we have the, the will of God. The will of God. Jesus said, Remember, he dealt with the woman at the well. His disciples are getting him some food. He, they come back, eat, eat, Lord. He says to them, I have food. I've got meat to eat that you don't know anything about. Now, the disciples, you know, that sometimes they were a little slow to catch on. His disciples said to each other, could someone else have brought them some food? Anyone send them, you know, the Uber foods. You know, they do that stuff nowadays. And Jesus said in verse 34, here is the attitude of the Son of God. 
My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. The, the attitude, uh, he says, I find doing God's will my true satisfaction. In f- what is your attitude towards the will of God? To Jesus, it was a source of nourishment, not punishment. It was satisfaction. It was strength. It energized him. Obedience to and dependence upon God's will summed up Jesus' whole life. And he's the one I'm striving to become. He's the one I want to imitate. He had an attitude that said, the will of God motivates my life, directs my life, energizes my life. Greater than any natural satisfaction, he found satisfaction in doing the Father's will. He'd rather please the Father than please himself. I pray that we, you know, we, we sing some of these songs, but sometimes we sing them better than we live them, don't we? And we all pray, Lord, give me a heart that wants to please you more than anything else. I want to please you more than I even want to please me. Amen? I want to please you, Lord. I'd rather have your approval than all the, the titles and the accolades of men. I want the approval. That was Jesus' attitude. That's how he lived. The will of God. He obeyed the will of God. You know why? Because he wanted to obey the will of God. I've got a want to please and obey the will of God. And so Jesus, we notice here, he enjoyed the will of God. He didn't try to avoid the will of God. He sought it. He pursued it. And he called us to do the same. He says, when we pray, thy will be done. Seek his will. Seek that kingdom first. Amen? So number one, we see about the attitude of Jesus that the will of God for him was nourishment, not punishment. It satisfied him, motivated him. It drove him. But now let's take a note. Not only did Jesus have an attitude that wanted to do the will of God, let's take a second here and look to the degree he was willing to go to do the will of God. Because I don't know, have you ever agreed to something and maybe you didn't read the fine print? Or maybe you agreed to something, but you did not foresee it might mean, and they said, oh, I wish I hadn't agreed to that. Sometimes people say, the will of God. And it's good when it's convenient and comfortable and it kind of suits me. But then sometimes when it gets challenging, amen? You just called me ugly. Now, you might be right, but I still didn't like it, amen? And I want to respond back ugly. One good ugly deserves another, the old nature says, amen? But the Lord said, no, you turn that cheek and you, you forgive. Ooh, oh, what are we talking? I want to do the will of God. I want to do what pleases the Father. Even when it's not pleasing me all that much at the moment, I'll feel better down the road, but at the present moment, amen? And go ahead and say amen. You're all made out of the same stuff. Most of us are familiar. You know Philippians, that second chapter, I didn't give it to him for the overhead. Philippians, second chapter, verse 5. Paul says, let your attitude, let your attitude be like the attitude of Christ. Then he talks one of the greatest group of verses in the entire Bible about the Christology, the theology of Christ. And he talks about how Jesus, being God, being equal with God, did not consider equality with God something to hold on to. But he laid it all aside and made himself nothing, coming down and took on this human form, not just human form, not a king, 
not a great ruler. No, 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 no. A form of a servant. Wow. And not only a servant, from there he humbled himself. Even to the point of death on a cross. Even to the point. So, I mean, when Jesus said, it's my desire to do the will of God, he says, you know what? I mean, sometimes it's not always hard, but I still desire to do the will of God. Sometimes it challenges that old me, but you know what? No matter what, I desire to do the will of God. Sometimes when we're hurting, the old flesh is screaming. We have to say, Father, help me to do the will of God. Go ahead, if you would, to Hebrews 10, 5 through 7. And again, we're just bringing out the point of the willingness. How far am I willing? We can tell a lot about our Christian maturity, reality, by saying, how far will we do the will of God? What does it take to get me to step back from the will of God? Now, Jesus fulfilled it all the way to the cross. Amen? Even you know, when he said, I have a, I'll drink the cup. But I can't get out of this, Father. I'll drink the cup. And sometimes in life, guess what? We've got to drink the cup. Thank God it doesn't happen every week. Thank God it's not a, it's not a you know, the will of God is typically joy and righteousness and peace in the Holy Ghost. But there are times, amen, when you've got to go through Gethsemane, you've got to go to Calvary, amen. But as he said, if anyone follows after me, he has to deny what? Got to deny myself and pick up a cross and follow him. So, so there's sometimes there's challenges to being a sold-out Christian, isn't there? You see, now here, this is um, the author of Hebrews. He's quoting from the Psalms, and he's talking about Jesus. They just got done talking about the blood of bull and goats aren't good enough. They, they, weren't, you know, they were a picture, they were a symbol, but they weren't, they weren't the reality. They could never cleanse from sin, Amen. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifice an offering you don't desire. I don't want bulls. I don't want just religion. I don't want just, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings, you weren't pleased. They were just the picture. They, got, they, just, they never cleansed. Amen. They just had to be done over and over and over again. That's why when Jesus did it, he said, it is finished. Amen. Doesn't have to be done again. But then I said, Jesus, he's quoting now Jesus from the Old Testament. Here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will. You see, that, 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 that lamb, he didn't have no will in the matter, did he? He was brought under someone else's will and killed. But Jesus, a body willingly offered to die for others. Wow, that's, the, that's Jesus. Not only did he de desire it, he delighted in it. And he was willing to carry out God's will to the umph degree. And as I thank God that we don't always have to go through the hard times. But when we do, we need to be ready to say, Lord, even if I have to go through this, help me to go through it in a way that honors you and pleases you. Because I want to do your will. I want, I want you to please me. This is a voluntary surrender that an animal couldn't give. Well, let's go to Matthew 26, 39. In 42, we'll look at that real quick. Because again, remember going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground. My father, if it's possible, if it's possible, see, we don't always want to go through things. You have to be a nut to want to go through some things, right? That's just, this is common sense. 
But sometimes life doesn't give us a choice, does it? But we do have a choice of how we'll go through it. There are a lot of things in this world I don't have a choice if I'm going to go through or not. Unfortunately, if I could avoid it, I would. But some things you can't. But I do have a choice of how I'll go through it. Can I go through it in a way that glorifies God? Can I go through it in a way that testifies that I love Jesus and I belong to the Lord? Because I represent him in everything I do and everything I go through. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Wow. Do I have another verse up there? What's the next one? Is it, here we go. He says, watch and pray that you won't fall into temptation. You've got to pray and seek God. You're going to walk in this level. Amen? Because our natural man, man, I'm looking for a loophole. I mean, the spirit is willing. The body is weak. He goes away a second time and he prays, Father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. I say, Lord, help us not only have the attitude of Jesus, but help us have the, the dedication and consecration of Jesus. See, this is called prayer of consecration. You don't have to pray if it be your will when you're praying for someone's soul to be saved. We know that's God's will, amen? We know it's his will that none perish. So there's things like that. I don't have to pray if it be thy will, but there's some things. Lord, if it be your will, let your will be done and help me respond in a way that glorifies you and pleases you. That's the Jesus pattern. That's the Jesus. We're talking about obeying the will of God. It starts with an attitude, and Jesus is our example. God, give us a desire to please you. May pleasing the Lord be the greatest desire we have in our lives. And even when the hard times come, and thank God they don't come all the time, but when they do, even then, if I've got to drink that cup, Lord, give me grace to go through this, and give me grace to go through in a way that honors you. Can you say amen to that? Amen. All right. John 5 and verse 30. John 5. In verse 30, and we'll finish this first segment, the attitude of Jesus towards the will of God. I want to be like, you want to be like Jesus? I hope it's just not a song that we sing. I hope it's a reality in our hearts. I hope it's a sincere desire within us. He died for us so we could live for him. Amen? And I got to start out with an attitude. I want to do the will of God. If God sends us to Zimbabwe tomorrow, off we go. We must do the will of God. But what about this? Don't matter about anything. If he sends us, we go. What if well, I, grandma can be grandma? I got to go. And do, I must do. You got to have a, I must do the will of God in your life. You're never going to go real far in Christianity if you don't have I must do. Amen? Not I might do. If it's convenient, I do. If someone else does it, I must do the work of him who sent me and finish his work. My meat to eat to do the will of him sent me. The thing that motivates me and energizes me to do his will. God, give us a heart like that. Amen? God, give us a heart like that. Look how Jesus said this is so beautiful. By myself, I can do nothing. This is Jesus speaking. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just, for I seek not to please myself. I want to underline that. Please myself, but him who sent me. Oh, Lord, give me a hunger to please you, Father. We see in this verse the dependence and the desire of Jesus. Number one, Jesus couldn't just do his own thing. He says, I'm by myself, I can do nothing. He was dependent on the Father, wasn't he? He, he didn't do a miracle unless he saw the Father do it. 
He didn't bring forth a teaching unless he heard the Father teach it. He goes, I'm dependent. So we're dependent, aren't we? Without him, we can't do nothing, but with him, we can do all things. We find strength in our dependence, amen? We find power in our yielding. We find renewal of our energy as we trust him. And we see in this verse, number one, there's the dependence of Jesus. It's not a weak thing to live dependently on the Lord. It's a wise thing. It's an enduring thing. But then we see his desire. What's the desire of Jesus? Again, we're trying to imitate Jesus, amen? Everybody wants to imitate him when it comes to doing a miracle, pulling a rabbit out of their hat. Amen. But when it comes to walking this life, for I seek not to please. Who are you trying to please? Who is the primary person you try to please in life? Wow. Woo, that's pretty good, huh? Amen. Take the altar call right now, couldn't we? Yeah, yeah. I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. Lord, give me a desire in my heart that I want to please you. That I find joy, here it is, that I find joy. But again, to, to remember the, our first verse in John 4, it wasn't medicine that embittered him, it was food that nourished him. Amen? It wasn't a drag, it was a joy. My God. Hallelujah. Yeah. Lord, help us to please you. So number one, our first thought, and again, we'll take about two weeks on this, but our first, this attitude, obeying the will of God, starts with an attitude. And we saw Jesus, his attitude was to do the will of God. Make it a priority, make it a passion, make it a pursuit. It became a pleasure. Amen, I want to please him. But now, if you would, let's go to this next thought. What are some of the blessings of doing the Father's will? If I choose to do the Father's will, what are some blessings that it brings into my life? Amen? And we'll break it down into three columns. Number one, it'll bring power into our life. Number two, it'll bring productivity or fruit into our life. Number three, it'll bring a proof into our life. Power, proof, productivity. Amen? This comes from obeying the will of God. All right, let's, um, Matthew 7, Matthew 7, and I believe it's verse, you got it, Drina. Matthew 7, here we go, here we go. Now, number one, if you are going to do the will of God in your life, it's going to bring some blessings. Now, you've got to have the right attitude. You've got to pursue it like Jesus. Most of the time, it's a real joy. Sometimes it can be a challenge. Amen? You try praising him through the tears. We've all been there. Amen? But we knew it was the right. How many, how many of you have gone through terrible? We've all gone through things. But we knew we weren't going to give the devil a victory. And we got along with tears. And we said, Lord, we love you. And we thank you. And you're bringing us through. We've all been there, haven't we? That's how real Christians live. That's uh, the, the, tar, the tears, you know, they don't show, the, you know, they're, no, they're real Christians. We, through the tears, we praise them. Through the pain, we give them glory. Because we've got a, a relationship. When I walk with God, when you walk with God, it will bring a strength, a stability, and a steadiness into your life. It will give a strong foundation to your life. It will bring an energy and a grace to your soul. All right, let's look at this. Number one, Jesus said, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, I'm going to obey the will of God. Amen? I'm obeying the book. Amen? Puts them into practice. He's like a wise man who builds his house on a rock. Amen? Good foundation. The rain comes. Streams rose. The winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall. 
You mean even when you're obeying the will of God, you go through storms? You better believe it. You mean even when you're doing your best to put to practice with the Lord, you better believe it. You're not exempt from storms. But I'll tell you what, it won't fall. You won't fall because your life has a foundation on the rock. And then the next verse says, but you know, if we decide not to be obedient to that word, if you just hear the words and you don't put them to practice, that's a foolish thing, but you're building your house on sand. And then when the rain comes down and the streams rose and they do against everyone, right? There was a crash. The house, it fell with a great crash because it had no foundation. Let's notice this. If you're going to apply the word of God to your life, I'm going to obey the will of God. It brings a power and a strength into your life. It doesn't mean that you won't go through storms, but you're going to go through them victoriously. You know, the reason some of you are here today is because when hell hits you, you had a foundation that could withstand the hit. When the unexpected crashed against your soul and you got the report you didn't think you'd get and you got the negativity that you didn't deserve, you know what made you stand? Because you built your life on the word of God. And it does something. You will stand the test. You will endure the temptation. Obedience builds a lasting, enduring Christianity. You build something that'll last when you build your house. When you walk in obedience. So again, uh, if I'm, I'm going to obey God. And I know if I live a life that is obeying God, I'm taking the word of God and applying it to every area of my life, I know I'm building a life that's going to stand and withstand whatever hell throws against me. You can huff and puff. Can't blow this house down. Amen? Amen? Not built on straw, not, not built on hay, built on the rock of God's word. But I'll tell you what else it does. It gives us sturdiness and steadiness because it not only builds a life, that's strong and sturdy, and I need that. It also nourishes the soul and builds a human being that's healthy, strong, steady, can bear the heat, won't wither under the stress. What, what is it that Jesus said? Matthew 4 and 4, man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth. Man, are you living according to the word? Because, again, eating the word is not just taking it in. It's taking it in and then walking it out. He says, live, live. Man doesn't live on bread alone. How do you live? By the word of God. How do I function? By the word of God. How do you think? By the word of God. See, it's not only the first story, you building a house on a firm foundation that withstands. Jesus said, take that word in you. Obeying that word releases the nourishment of that divine life into your soul. When others are cracking up and breaking down, you can still sing blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. When others are giving up and they got to drink and they got to run because they don't know him who is altogether lovely. But when you feed on that, you're a different man. You're a different woman. It changes you. The word of God. There's life in that word. There's power in that word. Oh, my Lord. When we obey the word of God, it brings a power into our lives power to withstand, a power to be healthy, a power to be strong. Living out the word nourishes the soul. Think of it in the natural. When people are malnutrition, what happens? Bones are, get weak, faint, right? Pass out, get dehydrated. Think of their vision, no good, not, not enough carrots, can't, can't see. Mr. Magoo, can't, can't see. All right. <laughs> People are like that spiritual, always breaking down. Well, get some vitamin D in you. Get Deuteronomy in you, for heaven's sake. Say, man, fly up on those wings of eagles. Come on now. Get that word in you. Get that vitamin C. Hey, man, 
Christ crucified. Get it in you. Get that word in you. Make you strong. Amen. You shall run and not grow weary. You shall walk in what? Woo! Waiting on that Lord, getting that word in you, feeding on that word, nourishing on Makes you healthy, doesn't it? What Paul say, come on now, Paul said, outwardly, <laughs> he don't know like I know, outwardly we're wasting away. Paul said that is truth, though, isn't it? Come on, look at this, I'm wasting away. You should have seen me 20 years ago. I'm wasting away. I had some hair here, I'm telling you, I look good. That's something to comb, man. Outwardly, wasting away, but inwardly, inwardly. See, we're dealing with the inward man, amen? Forget this outward man, he, you know, he, uh, uh, but inwardly, whoo, getting renewed day by day, getting stronger day by day, isn't that right? Some of you saints, I know you're getting older, it's hard, but your faith is strong, amen? You've been studying that Bible for 50, 60 years now, isn't that true? Been waking up 50, 60 years, doing a devotional, you and Jesus. You talk with them in the car, you talk with them at night before you go to bed. That does something to a life, that builds a life, that makes a life strong. That's not just religious jargon, that's the real deal. When I obey the will of God, it makes me a powerful person, a strong, steady enduring person my life has a foundation my soul is nourished on that which is real and genuine and eternal it's it gives me power and it gives me productivity obedience if you don't obey what you know god's not going to give you anything new let's go to our word let's go back to our word oh isn't god good productivity increase fruit growth maturity Everybody, Luke 8 and 18, Luke 8 and 18. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We're talking about obeying the word. There are some wonderful benefits that come to obeying the word. Isn't that right? I mean, I never forget. I'm just telling you, it's so, it's so important to get the word of God in your life and obey that word. I remember one time there was a church in, in, the, in the area um, where I was growing up. And one of the, you know, and they, they were good folks, and they had a good church, but they, where we were more classical Pentecostal, they got over a little bit in the crazy charismatic thing. And so every now and again, things would come up, and, and they got into a, one extreme one time. They got back to where they needed to be. But it was about, you know, you can't cast that demon out unless you knew its name. Now, I knew that didn't make sense. I said, I, from the time, I'm telling you, by the time I'm in kindergarten, my dad had me writing out my memory verse every Saturday night. I've just been memorizing them since I was four or five years old. So, I mean, I just, you know, and our church is Pentecostal. We didn't have children's church. Not until I got 12 or 13. I was too old for it. We sat through it. Nobody was running home after an hour and 10 minutes because they had to do something stupid. No, they had church. They, they sang hard wooden pews. I mean, they had no air condition. Where, I mean, we didn't need it half, most of the year anyhow. But, you know, when it did get warm and they had church. I mean, they danced the aisles. Power of God come. I mean, praise and worship. People throw down crutches and God was healing them. I mean, we just grew up with that. That, that was normal. That wasn't strange. That's just how it was. Amen? So when I heard that, I said, no. I never heard that. I'm telling you, we taught the, I grew up with the Bible. If there was a Pentecost, if that was true, I would have heard about it. Now they got their act together a little later. They realized they got extreme on that. And that wasn't, you know, that's not the case. But even as just a, a young kid, you get that word in you. Amen? You can discern. Amen? You, you're sensitive. You got a wisdom. 
you can get, I, I've seen kids get more wisdom than some people five times their age. They've never studied that book. That book will make you wiser than your enemies. But now, my obedience to the book will determine if God gives me more wisdom according to the book. We limit our spiritual understanding if we fail to obey what we know. If I obey the word, he'll give me more word to obey. If I obey what I know to do, he'll give Some people, I'm waiting on God to do something. You haven't done the last thing he told you. Ready? Luke, Luke 8 and 18. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Carefully. Pay attention when you're in church. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has, will be taken from him. You're either going backward or forward in this thing. Can I read you my footnote? Consider carefully how you listen. The disciples heard not only for themselves, but also for those whom they would minister. Truth that is not understood and appropriated will be lost, but truth that is used will be multiplied. So obeying brings a productivity. If we hear and obey God, he'll give us more. Amen? You remember when you started out reading that Bible? You had a hunger for that Bible. You didn't know a lot about it, but you read and God show you things. And you'd go to class and God show you things. And oh my goodness, God, oh Lord, look at this. I mean, it was amazing. And the more you obeyed it, the more God showed you. And the more you studied, the more revelation he granted you. You use what you got. And God will give you more revelation, more understanding, even more opportunity, amen? Because if I don't obey, if I don't obey what I know he wants me to do, he's not going to give me anything else to do. i got to obey what he's told me to do. And if I do it, he'll give me another opportunity. He'll give me another chance. Amen? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let me just give you one more under that topic. And there's so many. Joshua 1 and 8. Joshua 1 and 8. This, it, it's obedience that gives us productivity, fruitfulness, and increase. You want to increase? Obey the word of God. You want to increase? Obey the word of God. You want to increase? Obey the opportunity that God's given you. Act on what he's telling you to do. Believe in what he's revealed to your heart. You got to step out on that thing. That's how faith grows. That's how opportunity grows. That's how promotions come. Amen? In your devotional time, if you'll go to John 15, and you'll see that beautiful chapter of abiding in the vine, and you'll see how he says, the Father is glorified when we bear much fruit. He says that right after, he says, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, amen, you'll bear much fruit. But then you go on a little farther, and he talks about, if you love me, you obey my commandments, and he ties it all together. It's our obedience that leads to our fruitfulness. Amen? And as we obey him, we bear more fruit. You know, we always joke about, we tell that story about the kink in the hose. We've told that a lot of times here. You're right, you're washing the car, right? And, you shh, and all of a sudden, nothing going on. Man, you know the well's full. You know you have the thing on full. You turn around, there's a kink in the hose. Sometimes we wonder, what's, what's happening? Kink in your hose. Why has God stopped speaking to me? There's a, there's a kink in your hose. Why don't I get anything out of the book anymore? There's a, but when you obey it, the stream gets stronger. You know, this first chapter of Joshua, one of the most exciting chapters, one of my favorite Old Testament chapters. God is commissioning Joshua 
to carry on the task that Moses left. Remember that? Moses, my servant, is dead. But Joshua, I've chosen you to lead my people. Things like everywhere your feet step, God says, I'll give it to you. Woo! I mean, that, that chapter just get, make, a, make a Presbyterian shout. Amen? I mean, that, I'm telling you, that, that, that Joshua, the first chapter. And God gives these great promises. I'll be with you. I won't leave you. No one will be able to stand against you. My Lord. Woo! Can you, yeah, stir you up. Makes you want to go devil hunting. I mean, that gets you going. And, and three times in that first chapter, it's amazing. God says, I'm with you. No one can stand against you yet three times, but Joshua only be strong and have a good courage. This fear and faith can't mix. You got your, you got to be obedient and courageous. But here's also a part, uh, you know, the, the if and the then, right? If we do the if, God will do the then. We talked about this the other week. It's covenant language. What did we get last week with Jonah, right? The conditional part of prophecy. Amen? So God's given him a great commission with some awesome promises of taking the land, but he's shown him some of the conditions that he's going to have to meet. Here's one of the conditions that we have to meet if we want to walk in the... I want to walk in the blessing of God. Do you? I want my home to live under the blessing of God. Do you? You don't have to. I know some Christians are not blessed. I know it sounds like an oxymoron, but it's truth. Amen? But, but if you want to be blessed, I have to obey the word. Do not let this book of the law Depart from your mouth. Meditate on it. Chew on it day and night so that you may be careful to what? Do everything written in it. We don't just study it for study's sake. We don't just take the class to get, we, so I can do it. So I can know God and walk with God. So be careful to do. Then, see the then? There's an if. Do not let the book of law depart from your mouth. If, if you do that part, then. You'll be prosperous and successful. God says, you want my blessing upon your life? You want the prosperity and the smile of heaven? You want Jehovah Shalom? Do you want that peace and that prosperity to abide on your household? Obey that book. Put it in your mouth. Put it in your heart. Chew on it. Speak it. Live it. And God says, that's where the success will come. Hallelujah. All right. I'm winding it down. God is good. Amen. So James is dealing with the church, and there were some that were ignoring the will of God. He said, that's foolish. Here you are, a businessman, and you have the privilege of going to the throne of grace and communing with the one that knows the end from the beginning. He knows what's going to happen, what could happen, and what might happen, and you're not asking his advice. Are you nuts? You know what I mean? Think about it. You're going to make a business deal, and you're not getting advice from him? And you can. If you're a child of God, you've got access to him, and you're not? Not too bright, is it? And he says, you know what? You're ignoring it. Others are disobeying it. And he said, that's dangerous too. And we talked about everything that happens when you disobey God. The chastisements that come. The loss of rewards that come. How it affects those around you. We talked about that, didn't we? But now we get to obeying. And it starts out with an attitude. And there's no one better to learn from than Jesus. He's the pattern son. He's our example. I want to be like Jesus. He's given me his Holy Spirit so I can be like Jesus. Amen. I'm thankful for the many good earthly role models I've had. I've been blessed. I grew up in a godly home. I had wonderful pastors. We had a good local church. All my life, I've been around good godly people. God gave me favor with mentors. I've been around some wonderful men of God. I've seen them before a blind eye opens and after. I've seen them in private. I've seen them. I've been blessed. 
They have wonderful role models. But there's not a better role model than Jesus. Amen? There's not a better role model than Jesus. So his, his, his advice, his, 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 um, his demonstration to us is, number one, pursue the will of God. Put it first in your life. Have been added to the desires, the will of God among all things. But then we found out tonight that if I will do the will of God, amen, it's not a chore that binds me. It's nutrition, it's blessing that exalts me and blesses me. Because it makes me strong. It makes my life strong, my home strong, my marriage strong. It makes my soul strong. But it also helps me to grow in God. Because you don't, why do some people have different levels of revelation? Do some people spend different amount of time in the book? Different amount of time seeking the Lord to learn and to grow. Amen? Some got saved and barely ever read their Bible after that. Others got saved and you chewed it up. Man, you've eaten that word. You've worn out ten Bibles. I mean, you've highlighted, you've studied. If you could get a gospel on the radio, you listen to it. If you could, that's why you've grown. Ain't that true? Remember? Um, how I respond is how God responds back. Amen? So again, and if I do, I go, but now this, this last point, this last point, um, it's a proof. It's a proof. When you live in a religious area of the world, like down here, I, I live, I come from a real religious place. You knew. <laughs> it was harder to have tares where I'm from. Let's put it that way. It was harder to have tares. I mean, you didn't, you didn't go to our churches unless you were fair, halfway serious, but we, we, it's different somewhere down where everyone goes. That big old Bible Baptist church. Oh, it's a lot of good tares in there. Amen. And if you know about tear, them tears are tricky. Because to the natural eye, sometimes you can't tell them apart. Isn't that what Jesus said? That's why he said, don't, 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 don't root them up. You, you don't know. You root up the wrong ones. You've got to wait for God to take care of some things. Isn't that true? But one of the proofs of who a real believer is, is who's obeying that book. Let's look at our verses. You ready, Drina? What's my verse? If you would, let's go to Luke 8, 19 and 21. Jesus got done ministering. Now, Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, and they were not able to get near him because of the crowd. And someone said, your mother, earthly mother, brothers, earthly brothers, are standing outside, and they want to see you. Listen to Jesus' reply. My mother and my brothers are those who hear God's word and put it to practice. Who's my true family? Not the ones that have a natural, not the ones that, but those that are obeying the word of God. Is it obeying God's word? Power, productivity, and proof. It proves who's got, who really born again. This new nature wants to please God. Amen? This new nature. One more. Let's go to another one. Do I got another one up there? I know I do. Um, here we go. John 14. John 14, 23 and 24. These are the words of Jesus. Why is obedience? Obedience is proves is a proof of who's really born again. Remember, no commercial. Where's the beef? Remember that old lady, that Wendy's commercial? Where's the beef? Amen. Where's the beef? Obedience. Obedience. Jesus said, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. And my father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. Isn't that beautiful? If you really love him, if you really want to his, one of the proofs is you'll obey his teaching. 
And when you obey him, guess what? You get to enjoy a greater measure of intimacy and fellowship and relationship. Are you seeing that? And listen, and my father will love him and will come to him and make our abode with him. My Lord. Isn't that awesome? He says, listen, number one, if you love me, if you're really saved, the fruit will be you will obey me. And if you obey me, you want to know some of the blessings of obedience? The Father is going to respond to that. And he's going to draw near to you. And he's going to make his home, his relationship abiding with you. Amen. You can get close to the Lord. Hallelujah. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching and so forth. We're going to close down. Well, this was our first part of this part of obeying God. Obeying God. We pray, Lord, give us a heart to obey you. Give us a passion to obey you. Get us stirred up, O oh God. Stir our hearts up to have a passion to want to do your will, to have a passion that's willing, that, that we can be like the, the prophet of old, that here I am, send me, that I'm willing, Lord. I'll do what you want me to do. The things I know are your will, I'm going to do them. Things I'm not sure about, I'm going to present them to you and say, Lord, if it be your will. Amen? But Lord, I want to start off with an attitude. I want to have an attitude like Jesus. I want the will of God. I want my attitude towards his will to be something that encourages me and excites me and satisfies me. Not, not drags me down and not uh, cramping my style. Amen? I want to have that attitude like Jesus had. But boy, I want to learn as I practice and obey, the blessings are going to flow. Amen? You know, you think about it, some of you went through some things in life and you wonder, you know, if you were any other person, Brother Shambach, when he was pastoring years ago, he went to visit one of his ladies in the hospital, met the doctor out in the hall, looked at him and said, Bob, if she was any other woman, she would have been dead long ago. He looked and said, Doc, you hit her right on the head. If she was any, she's not any other woman. She's a child of God. She can take a little more heat. She can sing a little longer. She can hold it. Amen. And you know, a lot of the reason you're here is not that life's always been easy, but you've built your life on a foundation that held you when the going got tough. Amen. Went through things. Others would have backslid over. Others would have crumbled over. But you had something in you that was stronger than yourself. You had some, sometimes you don't even know it's, sometimes you don't even know it's there until it's tested, do you? Then you realize, man, all that word, all that prayer, all that. Amen? Let's continue. Father, we thank you for your word. Help us to be men and women that love your word and love your will. Help us to be believers that seek your will, that pursue your will, that we imitate Jesus. We follow the example of our Savior that we hunger to do your will, and we offer ourselves as that living sacrifice that we were singing about earlier. And Father, we want to thank you for the blessings that come when we make the choice to obey you. We thank you, Lord, that we can have a strong foundation in our lives and in our homes. We thank you, Lord, that we can grow inwardly strong and healthy so we can walk close with you. and We can overcome the challenges of and we can be fruitful and effective in our ministries. Father, bless these dear ones. I thank you for a group of people that are hungry for you. I thank you for a group of people that desire to know you better. And I thank you, Lord, that you've promised as they seek you, 
they will find you. As they obey you, you'll allow them to walk closer to you than they've ever walked before. As they step out in obedience, you'll open up more doors of opportunity. As they seek you in your word, you'll give them greater revelation so they'll know you better than they've ever known you before. And I pray, Father, let each one of us right now have a fresh commitment to pursue and desire and embrace the will of God. That you might do your work in our hearts and you might do your work through our lives. Let it be in Jesus' name and all God's people said, God bless you. Have a good week. See you on Sunday.